0: Warning, this episode contains foul language, discussions of death and dying, and is generally a real tearjerker. listening to keep it weird the podcast for all things strange and unusual spiritual and skeptical profound and pretty and everything in between each week we get to sit around and chat about something weird and this week is a freaking banger y'all woo we've been prepping for weeks to bring you a series that offers an in-depth discussion on what the hell happens when we die oof scary oof. thought i know oh my goodness. We wanna know where that tunnel leads. Should we follow that light? And who is this dark-skinned, tall glass of water trying to pass himself (laughs) off as Jesus, who we all know was white? so white light brown hair <laughs> we are gonna share some real life stories from people who experience death first and we're gonna see what the scientists have to say about the matter and we're gonna try and leave you with a fascinating and hopefully reassuring picture of where we're headed after we shuffle off this mortal coil my name is ashley and this is my co-host lauren Hello, weirdos. Mm-hmm. And it's time to die. Time to die, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. We uh, hope none no. of you are going anywhere for a very long time.
1: Goodness, yes. I hope you're with us forever and ever. But it sounds so we morbid and strange, but we're really excited for this episode because <laughs> it's just such a fascinating topic, even totally. though it revolves around death and like some really scary near-death accidents. But man, is it interesting.
0: You know what's really special about being a woman, too? Just speaking of death, this just popped in my head. Last <laughs> Gosh. last Wednesday or Thursday, I don't remember which day it was, I was sitting at my desk at work. My boss was there, which was like, ugh, because when he's not there, it's like, who cares? But my boss was there for whatever reason. Well, I know what reason. I was researching this particular episode, and I started thinking about like, what would happen if Joe died. Oof. And then I Such was like thinking about it. Road. I know. And it was like, oh, man, that's so sad. That's so sad. I would hate that. And then I thought about watching Netflix alone. <laughs> and I started crying at my desk. Ashley, I love that it took the Netflix to it was really the like Netflix. set you off. Oh, honey, I you love thinking, your fiance. Like, I can't. I can't watch stuff by myself ever again and i don't want to watch it with anyone else but him and if he's yeah, gone he's your person i'm going to be so sad oh so i started crying at work and you <laughs> was sweet like, well. thing i love
1: that netflix was the tipping point that really yeah, is so special really but i me do over get that When you have shows with your partner and that is like your favorite pastime, which like, yes, same over here. Like we love just staying in and watching all the shows. That is really sad to think of not having your couch buddy anymore and having to watch alone. I don't
0: like it. Me neither. Anytime
1: I think of Alex leaving, or even me, now that I have a child, I used to not, this sounds so awful, but I used to not think about my own death that much, because I was just sort of like, oh, well, people will figure it out and carry on. It's okay. Like, I'm selfishly so sad if Alex leaves me. But now that I have Wilder, if I think hard enough or go down the rabbit hole of thinking of me dying and him, like having to walk up to Alex and be like, where's mama? I just lose. I lose it. I have like I can't control the tears. I'm already getting a lump in my throat just talking about it now. It's just crazy. Like, oh, I can't leave him ever. So I need to take some more vitamins. I need to get healthier. <laughs> I got to I got to stay around. I need to stop the caffeine intake. All of it.
0: It was funny, too, because I, I told Joe this. He was like, babe, that's so sweet, blah, 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 blah. And then he went to the doctor yesterday, and it was, like, a new doctor visit, so they had to do everything. They had to, like, you know, mm-hmm. cup his balls, take his blood pressure, like, all the, <laughs> the whole shebang. And the first reason, or the first reason, the first attempt at taking his blood pressure, it came out really high for some reason. Um, and just to say, just to let you know, like, they took it again a little bit later, and it was perfectly normal. Like, they don't know why it was spiked like that, but... Yeah. He immediately was like, Well, that's it. Like I can't I'm done. No more no more pizza, no more beer, no more blah, 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 blah. And so when then really? <laughs> when they took his blood pressure again, they were like, No, it was it was us. Like, you're fine. Your blood pressure is great. He was like, Thank God, because I have a calzone in the fridge and I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> and <laughs> it was I have like been looking forward how to How quickly it. we we abandon everything. <laughs> He's
1: like, I that's it. Like healthier <laughs> decisions from here Healthy on out. Decisions. Oh good the calzone oh, I can good. still have it fine oh and I also wanted to crack open that beer thank you so yeah. much thank you so much so glad also I is he, he Adam Scott or. from Parks and Rec I yes love that he's he a big loves calzone calzones
0: man. and the best thing is that we so champagne for anyone I'm sure everyone knows we moved to Champagne, Illinois mm-hmm. we moved here there's so much stuff here that makes us go like oh my god we're so meant to be here like little <laughs> things like apricot lacroix which they sold in the North Hollywood Target for like two months and then never sold again. We literally thought it was discontinued. It's sold everywhere here. We can get it anywhere we want. Gosh, we can get Monocle's Pizza to be delivered to our monocles, door.
1: Monocles, monocles. That's the like true win. When honestly. we order
0: pizza, we don't have to get Domino's. We can get Monocle's and the biggest one. Well, maybe not the biggest one, but a pretty big <laughs> one. One day we were like looking on our app. We wanted to see if we can get food delivered. We're still discovering places and I found a calzone restaurant. They sell oh. only calzones. Oh, my gosh. And they have like 50 different calzones. Stop it. And it's delicious.
1: This is literally an episode of Parks and Rec, but Truly. also that just makes me so happy for you guys, for Joe, especially if he's a big calzone man. That is magical. The only have thing, every type, too.
0: Yeah. The only thing I'm upset about is that it's not called the low-cal calzone zone. And I don't see why you would have a calzone restaurant and not call it the local calzone zone. (laughs) I guess copyright.
1: Oh, gosh, that's good.
0: Well, anyway, today we're talking about uh, NDEs (laughs) or near-death experiences. And we were inspired by a story that was featured in our most recent Listener Ghost Stories episode. Uh, Reddit user ApprehensiveSoup73 told us about the time she almost died during childbirth and how she was able to witness a phenomenon she can't possibly explain
1: Uh
0: something that I found interesting that was a real duh moment for me Uh uh, but also I never really thought of it before is that NDEs are a subcategory of what is known as an OBE or an out-of-body experience yeah I guess
1: I never thought of it that way
0: I didn't either and then once (laughs) I once I was like I read that I was like well yeah duh
1: Yep, that makes total sense.
0: (laughs) Out-of-body experiences can happen to anyone at any time. Sometimes they happen during meditation. Sometimes they happen during drug trips. Sometimes they happen during dreams while we sleep. And sometimes they even happen if we get frightened. I, it happened to me, I texted you right after because I had to tell you, you one time Joe scared me so bad, I literally saw myself from behind.
1: That that just gave me chills again. <laughs> <He didn't laughs> I don't like it.
0: Purposefully scare me. It was basically like I was it was in the dark kitchen. I had the refrigerator door open. I was getting something out of the fridge, and he did that thing in horror movies where he was behind the door <laughs> of the fridge when I closed it. And I swear yes. to gourd, I left my body. <laughs>
1: And just saw the back of your head and being saw terrified the back by of my head. <laughs> your
0: fiance. <laughs> I like, well, it's it was, not okay. It wasn't even the back. It was like back and above a little bit. Like I was at an angle. Ah. Either way, hated it. You did a little float up. But also it was pretty cool.
1: What's interesting is like I I think I read something. I was trying to find it, but like, sorry if I'm misquoting this, but I'm almost positive during my research I found that like 40% of all people – have experienced some sort of dreamlike hallucination where they go, where they float above their body or they're looking, you know, at their body in some way, which I thought was just crazy that it happens associated with sleep so much more than I thought. Like that. Yeah. I've never had an experience like that. So it just sounds so wild to be like, hey, I'm looking at myself. Am I in a dream? Like, I I just can't even imagine that. 40% is a much higher number than I thought.
0: Well, a lot of people believe that actually when we sleep, we are able to have out-of-body experiences more easily because we are unconscious and something else in us takes over. Right. So that's why, you know, there's uh, lucid dreaming, astral projection even, which you do when you sleep, but also... Um, I had a theory recently. And I it was one of those things where I was getting ready for bed. And I was like, Hey, Joe, I have a theory on ghosts. Do you want to hear it now or tomorrow? (laughs) And he was like, "Ugh, now. And I was like, (laughs) what if (laughs) what if there are no ghosts? What if when we go to sleep, our like spirit or something like whatever it is inside of us that makes us us leaves our body and sort of like roams around and acts out what we're doing in our dreams. Oh, and that could why, be our consciousness. Hanging yeah. Out in the world. And that's why a lot of times people see ghosts at night because people are sleeping right. and also why places like hotels are haunted a lot. Yep. Because yep. people sleep like in mass.
1: It's a place of sleeping. There's yeah. beds everywhere. Oh my goodness! I kind of like that I don't it's know, it's just, like where our, like our bodies a theory, are just we're just laying there drooling, sprawled mm-hmm. out on the bed, like our bodies our physical body is useless, so I yeah. like the idea of thinking that our consciousness is like I'm gonna go take a little trip, yeah, I'm gonna go roam around <laughs>
0: But, you know, we're asleep and we don't know what's happening, so our body is just sort of like wandering around. But then that would also explain ghosts that like interact with you and stuff because there are people who can lucid dream. There are people who can astral project. Right. And that would just be them. Right. It's the people who have the the skills. Anyways. It's so
1: (laughs) weird to think about, but I don't
0: hate it. Okay, so NDEs are specific OBEs that take place when you are about to die, dying, or have died. And one of the more interesting things about NDEs is how similar they are to the people who have had them, despite having no connection with each other, nothing in common, and no fervent interest in the paranormal, religion, or life after death, and yet their experience is similar to so many others. And... Mm -hmm. Common experiences with NDEs are having your life flash before your eyes, seeing bright lights or one bright light that you feel attracted to, going through a tunnel, feeling immense peace, seeing loved ones who have already passed, and occasionally meeting, occasionally meeting higher beings some would and do describe as God or Jesus. And these are the kind of the points that we're going to touch on throughout this series. Most NDEs come from the accounts of actually, like actual dying people. Obviously, some are revived and can tell the tale of what they experienced, and those are the most valuable accounts. But you can look at this in two ways one, we're really experiencing these things, or two, something happens when we die that causes something to happen in our bodies and our brains that makes us hallucinate and think. We are experiencing these things. So in this series, we are going to present the science portion, like, you know, the releasing of chemicals, etc. But we do hope to leave you with more evidence to the contrary. We've gathered stories from people all over the world that may offer more proof that death is not the end of life. It's just another thing we all have to go through. I think it's just
1: a new chapter.
0: Yeah. A lot of people um, that I've read about, I've read a lot of doctors, neurosurgeons that do believe in life after death. And uh, a lot of them have said that dying is just like going through a door Mm -hmm. and something completely different on the other side. So we're going to start out with a banger right off the bat, seeing the light. (laughs) I saw the light. I saw the light, I'm changed. (laughs) There's a lot of different ways light plays a role in NDEs, and honestly, a lot of other spiritual experiences. And I can't help but think, Lauren, about our first episode of this season when we discussed the 144,000 from the Bible.
1: I know. I was thinking of that. We kept saying we were seeing the light.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I listed all those things. Light itself, uh, the speed is 144,000 nautical miles per second. The Great Pyramid was encased in exactly 144,000 white stones. Jesus constantly referenced light. And even if you think of auras and chakras and the fact that the only reason we can see is light, light is as important for life as it is for spirituality. So, Lauren... What does science have to say about us seeing the light upon death? Seeing the light.
1: I know. It really does fit into what we've been talking about this season. And I first want to say I am helping out with the science portion of this episode, but you guys know I am always the one to say it is fun to believe. I very much enjoy the spiritual side of these things, but we should present all of the facts if there are any. So, of course, scientists, when it comes to NDEs, are doing their best To study them, but I just thought I should preface, like, with this series, like, basically everything is theories right now because it is so hard to study near-death experiences when you would basically have to be – like next to somebody you know like right before they die you'd have to be with a dying person at all times you have no idea when they're gonna go even if they're on their deathbed or be next to someone as they're getting like hit by a truck or something so (laughs) we it's it's really hard to research unless you're able to interview a large group of people who experienced you know a near-death moment and they can tell you kind of what they saw and what they went through which we've done And they're trying to get their theories from that. But research is very difficult with NDEs. So I just wanted to say that. And right now, it's just a lot of theories. They're doing the best they can. But as Ashley said, a lot of scientists, a lot of doctors, like neurosurgeons who are staring at people's brains all the time have been convinced that we are experiencing something, you know, unexplained and that we could be passing on to the next life, which I think is really, really cool that they're not just it's not just science only. They are seeing that. This is an unexplained phenomenon. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. Now into why do we see a light Bye. or a glow when we are close to dying? So scientists do have some theories surrounding this one, but as with everything else, not enough evidence from humans, so most of the time we are studying our animal friends. But Mm. also, um, it has been found through research that a number of medicinal and recreational drugs can mirror the euphoria and flow often felt in near-death experiences, which Ashley mentioned, but specifically the drug ketamine, which it feels like made... Some weird appearance on my TikTok page for a long time. Everybody was talking about ketamine, and I was like, Where am I? This is awful. But ketamine can trigger out of body experiences and hallucinations. Ketamine affects the brain's opioid system, which can naturally become active even without drugs when animals are under attack, hmm. suggesting that it is trauma that sets off this aspect of near death experiences in animals and increased brain activity. And so after studying animals and kind of seeing this traumatic response that they were making, that it's having the same effects that ketamine would on our brain, it is believed this could absolutely be the case with humans if they truly believe that they are dying. This is more in the case of being like scared enough thinking like, oh, I'm about to die, even if you actually aren't like something could be set off to make you have a near death experience, which is wild. One of the most famous aspects of near-death hallucinations is moving through a tunnel toward a bright light. And the specific cause, of course, of this is not fully clear. They're still working on it. But tunnel vision and, you know, having this narrowed view of like, oh, I see a light, but it's way at the end of this long tunnel that I have to walk down. The tunnel vision can occur when blood and oxygen flow is depleted to the eye, and that can happen with extreme fear. So again, having that like, oh, I'm about to fall and die kind of moment or oxygen loss up to the brain. It can also narrow your vision, and those are both very common if you are either scared or if you are actually on your deathbed. Once the oxygen stops going up to your brain, you can get that narrowed vision. And Andrew Newberg, who is a neuroscientist and professor at Thomas Jefferson University and Hospital, He studies brain scans of religious people, like nuns and monks who have experiences when they meditate, which I thought was so cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, you probably have the most fascinating research. (laughs) When they're in like deep, silent meditation, he, you know, watches what their brains are doing, which is crazy. And we might have talked about him on another episode. But his belief is that the tunnel and the light that NDEers so frequently describe is explained by our eyesight fading because we lose our peripheral areas first, and then the very last... Part of our vision that we lose is like kind of that direct in front of us, like Ah, tunnel scope look. So he he's so matter of fact about it. He was like, I believe you all that you're seeing a light, but you can have a tunnel sensation when your vision is the last like the last part of your vision to go as your eyes are about to shut and go into that eternal sleep you would most likely see a tunnel as your visual system is shutting down so he sort of was like open and closed case not that he doesn't believe things can happen but the tunnel light that's what it is to him and then i know i'm just going through a few studies because everyone kind of had their own thoughts and i was like i can't believe there is this much science on it but Um, Scientists at the University of Michigan were studying some rats. Again, it's easier to do it with our animal friends first. They were monitoring nine rats as they were dying. In the 32nd period after the animal's heart stopped beating, they were able to measure a sharp increase in high frequency brain waves called gamma oscillations. Mm. And these pulses are one of the neuronal features that are thought to kind of pin consciousness in humans, that's, you know, the theory anyway, especially when they link information from different areas of the brain. So these are, you know, important, important waves to look at. And in the rats, these pulses were found at even higher levels just after the cardiac arrest. They were like the highest they'd ever been. Interesting. Even more than when they were awake and well and walking around. But after the cardiac arrest, they had these electrical pulses going crazy 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 in the brain so they were like wait a second
0: and do they know why that would be say nothing spiritual about it like what would that be for
1: they think it's the brain's last hurrah that's the best way they can put it they think like as everything is shutting down like this is the last area of the brain that is still awake and it's just like firing off everything that it can and kind of giving this just last jolt of like here you go, like here's a last look at your life. Well, and, and I goodbye. wonder if
0: it's like a, a jolt, as in like it's attempting to kickstart the body. Sure,
1: one hundred percent, it could absolutely be that. But the thing is, like scientists are even yeah, kind of baffled by it.
0: How? How? How would you know? How? 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 how?
1: <laughs> yeah, unless we can see like the pictures in your brain. But basically, like all of the researchers putting on this, you know. This rat demonstration, we're mm-hmm. saying this is totally feasible in in the human brain because yeah. as we've learned, a lot of things that happen with rats can happen with us. We talk about it a lot. And that elevated level of brain activity and consciousness could absolutely give rise to near-death visions in our brains as we're dying And there was even a case in 2022, it just happened this year, where human brain waves were actually recorded during death. And I'm going to touch on that later, but I did just want to say it was only rats for so long. And just in February of this year, scientists accidentally got a look at a human's brain. So we'll just tuck that away. That's going to be great. But studies like this one from the University of Michigan with the rats, they give us the framework to explain the light phenomenon. Yeah. Um, The fact that, you know, like the visual cortex in the brain is highly activated this time. It gives evidence to suggest that these like gamma electrical pulses are causing the light because these electrical pulses were right over the visual cortex. So it would directly affect your eyes. They were seeing it with the rats and they believe that that is what is happening with humans, that like it's going to go right into your eyeballs and show you, you know, either a glow or a light or the tunnel, whatever it will be. So the lower frequency waves and the gamma that has been shown um, really causes something to go on with your visual visual awareness and visual sensation is kind of the summary that they got from this. And again, calling it the brain's last hurrah, their last little electrical shot before you pass. And this demonstration is also giving us the idea that, you know, if something is unfamiliar and confusing, which near death experiences are the brain will become overstimulated and hyper excited whether it is trying to survive as you said give that last little jolt or it's just trying to compensate for yeah the confusion of what's going on something is being shot off and it goes crazy right over the visual cortex so that could be why we're seeing the light
0: Well, and you know what's interesting? I was thinking like that that would make sense of why you feel like you see your life flash before your eyes before you die, because Mm -hmm. literally all of those neurons are firing. Totally. And, you know, that would cause like a ton of memories possibly to just like simultaneously release in your brain. But what I find interesting is that, especially with like the life flash before my eyes thing, that only seems to happen with people who... Like almost die.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Almost get hit by a car and are missed by an inch. And they're like, I saw my fucking life flash before my eyes. So
1: it's not necessarily someone on their deathbed who's going at a slower pace. So it seems like it's more of a fear thing that the body is trying to like fear
0: possibly.
1: Yeah. It's the body trying to save you from trauma, is what scientists are wow. guessing. Because they're like, I think it's a defense mechanism that the body is like, oh my gosh, you were just the most scared you've ever been in your life. Here are all of your happy memories. Like, hey, here I'm you in go. Front of your mind. <laughs> here you go. I'm sorry. I love you. Because that is true. It's like some of the, you know, when I was saying like scientists are working on what's the best way to even research near death experiences. Yeah. Right now, they just interview people and like. You are exactly right. Like people who almost fell like during rock climbing accidents or somebody who got hit by a truck and lived to tell the tale. It's it is those people who say like, oh, I saw my whole family and memories from when I was a kid. And it's like, wow, that's how did you see that in like 30 seconds? But you do.
0: Yeah. Um, Something I find interesting about seeing the light, at least after reading, probably I think I probably read over 200 NDE experiences (laughs) over the last three weeks. My gosh, I believe it. But um, the different ways people describe the light and what I take Mm -hmm. from it is explained best by Dr. Bruce Grayson, who is the world's leading expert on near-death experiences. When he was asked, do people really see the light? His answer was sort of. (laughs) And he continued (laughs) by saying, many people who encounter NDEs experience what he calls an overwhelming sense of peace and well-being. People more so describe it as almost like a living entity radiating tremendous love, acceptance, and warmth. And I did find that when reading these stories, not all of them had the light, but most of them did have Yeah, the overwhelming love. And they are enveloped by it. It fills them up completely. So they don't know what to call it. And they simply refer to it as the light. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway from these experiences and why I think it's not... A false experience is they literally most of these people don't have the words to explain it. And yeah. it's like having to describe the color blue without saying blue or naming blue objects. Like how, right. how do like, you I explain have, I have nothing. <laughs> blue to someone who's yeah. blind?
1: You can't explain what you're feeling. I read so many stories like that, too, where some of the people were like, I don't know how else to say it other than like I was at peace and there was a part of me that didn't even want to come back to Earth because I knew that I was safe wherever I was. And that's so wild to just be like, nobody had to tell me I was safe. I just knew it. Like your brain just told you. That's a
0: very nice, comforting thing, even if even if there is nothing after this, even if we do actually die and then become nothingness like, oh, my God, that's so scary to think about but
1: we get a little hug before we go
0: you won't know like you right. don't have to you won't know that you don't exist and to be filled with that amount of that peace, comfort sign me up
1: i'm with you i know it <laughs> it helps reading these stories honestly so i'm like i hope it feels like that
0: but when i think about that the the inability to put into words what you experienced Um, I think about that a lot when I read biblical verses of people describing interactions with angels and how much Mm. they sound like modern day UFO encounters.
1: Yes, like identical.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there was no aircraft or electricity then. So Mm -hmm. saying like there's a spinning wheel in the air that seemed to be on fire, I mean, to us today, we might look at that same thing and say it was a machine or a craft of some kind with bright lights. And in the future, we may even have a better way to describe what we are seeing when we have even more knowledge on what things exist. Right. Right. But back then, you're like, I
1: I do not know what to say about what I saw. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: (laughs) The burning bush.
0: Now I do have some very cool indie stories to share that have to do with light, but I wanted to ask if you found anything about light involving the body of the dying person,
1: like if the person appeared to be glowing in any way. Yeah, because we actually, I think
0: Julia told a story about a body that I don't think it was her personal story. I think it was one of the stories she read on a Patreon bonus episode about a body glowing.
1: I think she did too. That does ring a bell and that I even thought about going back and listening to her bonus episodes because I was like, Oh man, does Julia have a lot of NDEs? But I also was like We're at people have probably heard them already. In
0: our podcast where I cannot tell you if we have talked about something, or if oh, I, I talked about it with a friend, or if I saw it in a documentary. So like, y'all, if we ever repeat ourselves, just ride that wave. Like we don't know. <laughs>
1: Yep. Just just it's go along with years. it. You don't you don't even have to message us and correct us. Just no. nod your head. And it's no. like your your we parents know, who are know. starting to like lose their memory a little bit. <laughs> just like let us go. <laughs> just let us go. There is not a ton of science for the body glow, which honestly mm, that it's what makes it the most fascinating for me, because there is not a lot out there. A lot of scientists are kind of just like, Yeah, uh that might just be happening and like we don't really know what to do with it. But um it could here are just some things we can throw out that people have like tried to explain. Okay. It could simply be the fact that some humans do change color in their skin as they die if they're on their deathbed. You know, if something is happening a little more gradual over time, they could be a very pale white or a bright yellow or in some cases a light purple depending on what their ailment is. Mm. So, you could say maybe there is some sort of what looks like a glow coming off of their skin because it's just so drastically changing. And then it's also believed that we are producing some sort of electric energy when we are dying, which like we absolutely are, but it's just not always visible, you know, to the eye. But there could be somebody in the room and some, you know, holistic doctors or people who think of themselves as healers, they may be able to see when the energy is leaving. And so they see some sort of halo or some sort of glow surrounding the dying body. So that it could absolutely be that some people just have the talent to see the electric energy. And then I found... That there actually is a name, and I think I had seen this on, I see everything on TikTok. It's so embarrassing. I'd seen this on TikTok as well, but have you heard of um, synesthesia? Yeah. Like the neural, we may have even talked about it again. Who knows? The neuropsychological (laughs) phenomenon synesthesia where people- can see a color of a person, or even like they assign colors to everyday items, or they assign colors to numbers or letters, and that is just how their brain works. But some people with like a pretty advanced synesthesia, especially emotional synesthesia, may be able to see somebody's aura. And it doesn't just have to be this, like, oh, that's a little more, you know, like woo woo. I like, can we actually see auras? Researchers in Spain have found that, like some individuals, actually can see a color and, like, do have an ability to see a color around a person if they're looking at them. It's like an extra sensory stimuli that you have in your brain. So they can they could taste a color or a sound. They could feel what something tastes like, or they can associate people with colors. So if we're going to, like, really dive into every option of what could be happening, some people, when they're in a room with someone dying, can see different colors. And when someone is about to pass, there could be this white or yellowish hue surrounding them because they are seeing this transformation happening, this transition into the next chapter. And so they're seeing this person's color change, which, again, is probably associated with the energy field around them. But it used to always be this thing of, oh, that's just healers and people who are trying to scam you like that like especially in Spain this was a huge belief of like watch out for the scammers they're gonna claim to be healers blah 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 but the more that they're studying and testing these people they're finding that like they do have an extra ability and they do have these extra sensory features in their brain that they're seeing you know on different brain scans that are like oh you do have something a little extra going on up there um yeah so it's leading them to believe if you have, especially emotional synesthesia, you may be able to see somebody's color or somebody's wow. aura if a transition is happening in their life, and you can see right before they die that they have a glow, which I thought was interesting.
0: We spoke about synesthesia on the show, I believe, with past guest Kate. Um, yes, because, that probably is right. Yeah, I believe um, who she came on for Human Superheroes, like and when we yeah. did Hometown Haunts, Maine. And um, she was saying that she actually has it associated with colors or not colors. I'm sorry. Colors and numbers. So every time like seven is green or something like that. Right. And because uh, I remember I had asked her, do you think that it has anything to do with when we were little, we were given books that were like that taught you how to count and taught you the ABCs. And they were always associated with colors and mm-hmm. objects. So like A is right. for apple. A is red. Mm-hmm. B is for banana. Banana is yellow. Um, and she was like, that's super fascinating. I've never thought of that. <laughs> like assigning I know, I the colors to, to it. Like obviously seeing the colors, like that's a totally different thing. Like emotionally, like being able to right. like see colors in people. But having that yeah. connection in your brain, I do wonder mm-hmm. if it has to do with how you learned how to count or how you learn. I do
1: remember that now. Yeah. And that does make total sense. And I think everyone's kind of at a different level when it comes to synesthesia too. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, some people, it's just so they can remember like numbers. Some people, it's even days of the week. They're like every day of the week has a color, it's this and this. But some people can just look at a person and it's like, I see your color, I see your aura, I see where you're at right now. And that, I just can't believe that that can actually be a real thing. Seriously. And that Like it's, it's a superhuman power like we talked about on that
0: episode. It's crazy. Well, I have two stories um, revolving light. Do you have any stories revol- uh, involving light? I
1: do. Okay. But you, yeah, you go first. Well, I do have
0: two. Uh, oh, you have two as well. Then let's uh, go back back season fourth season. Perfect. Okay. This story comes in from Sharon G. So most of my stories that I have today come from a website that is the Out of Body Experience Research Foundation. O-B-E-R-F dot org. And if you go there, you can read people's real accounts, not just with OBEs and Indies, but also UFO encounters, people who have memories of themselves before birth, lucid dreams, and even premonitions. So they kind of cover everything. I believe it started as just like out-of-body experiences, but then they had to go into like different categories because they were like, well, this is sort of like, yes, it's sort of an out-of-body experience, but also it seems like maybe, you know what I mean? So they had to like categorize yeah. them. So this story is from Sharon G. My mother-in-law to be was ill in hospital. At the time I was not aware of the exact diagnosis she had and I didn't know very much about leukemia. In fact, I expected her to get well and be at our wedding later that year. One morning I woke up and I said to my fiance that we should go to the hospital today and not go to work. I had a very strong feeling that we needed to see and be with mum. Thankfully, he listened, and we phoned work, explained that we were not coming in that day, and went to the hospital to visit her. When we arrived, she was asleep. Her sister was also there with her, sitting in the chair in the corner of the room, waiting for her to wake up. Mom had been hallucinating all week, saying that her mother had been visiting her. Her mother had been dead for a long time, so we weren't too sure what was going on with her there. Andrew and I sat on chairs beside Mum's bed so he could rest his arm next to her. There was a small TV in the corner of the room on a table that we were watching. I was sitting behind Andrew as there wasn't much room to sit beside him. About an hour after we had been there, I noticed a slight movement from Mum, so I turned to look at her thinking she was going to wake up. I looked at her and she opened her eyes and then looked up at the far right corner of the ceiling and smiled. She reached her right arm towards it as though greeting someone and then closed her eyes again. I noticed that I couldn't hear the TV. I thought that maybe Andrew had noticed his mom move and had turned it down. But when I looked at him, he was still watching it as though he could hear it. Then I looked at his aunt sitting in the corner and she was asleep. I also noticed that I couldn't hear the noise, which is always in the hospital, like nurses talking, trolleys moving around, etc., Then I looked back at Mum, and there was a light forming around her. The color is hard to describe, but it was like a golden, pale lemon color. The light seemed to be completely surrounding her. Then the light started to move up towards her head. Then it was completely above her. And when I looked directly at the light above her, I couldn't believe what I was seeing as she was in the light floating above her body. Whoa. Then she moved slowly towards the corner of the room she was reaching for before and once again stretched out her hand as if to greet someone, and then she was gone. I looked back at her body and noticed that I could hear the TV again and all the other noise in the hospital was once again loud, and I stood up and said to Andrew and his aunt, who had just woken up, mum has gone, she just left. I didn't know any other way to say it because what I saw, she hadn't died, she left. <laughs> she exited then all the commotion started with the nurses rushing in and the doctor came in and then she was pronounced dead and this was the first time i had ever had an experience like this and the whole experience is still very very clear to me i know i saw her leave the shock i felt afterwards was due to the fact that i fully expected her to get well i never knew she was terminally ill until well after she died
1: That is wild that it's like the outside person witnessing all of that. Yeah. That is I can't imagine. And to be doing it alone. Nobody else is watching what's happening.
0: Yeah. And like obviously when you're with someone who's ill and in hospital, especially if they're asleep or unconscious, like there's always a part of you that's like, "Ooh, this is bad. But like they didn't expect her to die that day. Right.
1: Like nobody said, Oh, this is happening tonight. Yeah, they so weren't that, they weren't really sitting
0: next to the bed waiting for her to die. They were sitting next to the bed waiting for her to, you know, come out of the spell she was in so that they could talk right. to her. So I yeah. just thought that was interesting to have that experience and know that you didn't make it up. Like maybe something happened that wasn't what you thought had happened, but right. knowing that you didn't make it up. Yeah,
1: man. Well, that is really wild. Yeah. I can't imagine seeing that and then just having to be like, um, Uh, Anyway. uh, yep, she left. Like, she's gone. Yeah. Like, I I know what I saw. This really happened. But, I mean, also, it seemed like a peaceful, nice moment. For sure. So I guess
0: that's the good part. Yeah. I'd carry that with me my whole life.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a story from someone named Colleen. I don't believe they want me to use the last name. So, Colleen which involves a glow and a light. A little bit of both of what we just talked about. Okay. My mother had been in and out of hospitals over the last year, near death at each admission. She was coherent and not delusional. She had congestive heart failure and lung cancer had spread throughout her entire body. One morning in the hospital room, it was about 3 a.m., and all was quiet. My mother stared out the door of her room and into the hall that led to the nurse's station and the other patient's rooms. "'Mom, what do you see?' I asked. "'Don't you see it?' she said. "'That bright light. It's so bright out there. It feels like it's calling me. It's so warm. It's so bright.' And she just kept harping on the bright, warm light that was out in the hall." And it was very strange for my mother to say this because she had never said anything like this before and wasn't even sure there was an afterlife or anything to welcome her to the other side. She was not religious. She didn't have many beliefs. And it felt so strange, like a hallucination was happening. Her surgeon said there was no point in treatment as cancer had spread throughout her entire body. And he said she might have six months to live at the most, maybe even three. I brought her home with me to die so she wouldn't have to look out at the hospital anymore and see things that weren't there. So the night of her passing, she was restless. She was anxious. And a few minutes before 8 p.m., she said, I have to go. They're here. They're waiting for me. Her face completely glowed in this moment. All of the color returned to her pale, sickly face, and she attempted to raise herself up out of bed. And her last words were, I have to go. It is beautiful. And she passed shortly thereafter at 8 p.m.
0: Boy, oh boy. I know.
1: It's always the people who are, like, not religious at all, too, it seems like, who have these experiences. That
0: is interesting, actually. I have quite a few. And obviously, next episode, we'll definitely get into that because we are talking about people who have met God or, you know, Mm -hmm. a God. But, yeah, a lot of people, these stories come from, like I said, all over the world. So there are some parts of the world that, you know, aren't touched by traditional christianity but also right. um there are people who were christians like very strongly believed in jesus god the holy spirit the whole shebang and after their near-death experience decided that that wasn't quite it yeah but right still there's something there
1: yeah it's it's wild
0: well, speaking of mothers, oh. I want to share this story from Randy Inn. It's very uh, similar, actually, to the two stories we just heard. But in this, there are multiple witnesses to the event, and neither of them are religious or spiritual in any way. See, there we go. Here we go. My mother had lived in a different state than my sister and I for many years. She had been diagnosed with some substantial mental illnesses and was an alcoholic. Everyone in the family had the same issues with her. Communication had been difficult and often ended with harsh words and my phone being unplugged until she was semi-rational. It really hurt my sister and I to love her so much but at the same time be so frustrated by the situation and we couldn't do anything to help her because of the mental issues and her stubbornness. So long story short, she was diagnosed with throat and mouth cancer and wouldn't follow any advice. She consented to some radical surgeries but refused radiation. Within nine months, we got a call from the hospital out of state telling us our mother was not doing very well and was in the end stages of cancer. So my sister and I flew back and brought her to Washington so we could be with her. And she passed away one month later. My sister and I were with her the entire day on the day of her death. We kind of knew this was it because all of the clinical signs were there. And when her breathing got irregular, we both took her hands and I kissed her forehead. She took three Final breaths, and the room was absolutely silent. I felt locked to her for a minute or two, and I could only focus on her. While looking down at her face, I saw a very soft yellow glow, and my peripheral vision I saw it in the whole room. Wow. Then the feeling I actually felt was the most calm feeling of warmth and well-being that came from somewhere inside of me. The experience only lasted a minute, maybe two, maybe three. My sister and I sat there for 15 minutes or so, not speaking. And when we left the room, I asked her, did you feel that? And she had felt and seen the very same thing. I am a skeptic through and through, and I really want to call it a stress reaction felt by both my sister and I. But the truth is, I don't know what it was, since I'm not religious. Was I feeling the energy leave her body? I have no idea, but I do know that I felt something powerful that night, whatever the cause. Mm. Wow. So again, like that could be something like we said earlier about how, you know, the color does change in a person before they die. Right. I know that Julia has told some stories about how all of a sudden all the color comes back and they look like they look they don't look Healthy. sick anymore and they're like right. and she knows that as like this isn't necessarily a good thing a lot of families will be like oh my gosh my, my loved one's not sick anymore and the hospice nurse or the nurses might be like well actually well, wait, yeah
1: it's almost like the glow and the light are actually a sign that death is even closer now yeah. because they're having that last hurrah and that's kind of what the glow is
0: but what I find interesting about that is not necessarily well one the fact that they she saw a glow on her mother but also the other out of the her peripheral vision she could see it around her and the overwhelming feeling of of well-being yeah that she could feel fine yeah yeah That was interesting to me.
1: That makes it a lot more fascinating when she – it's not just, oh, this person has a glow. The room now has a glow, and I feel safe and warm. Like, that's – that is interesting.
0: Fascinating.
1: Yeah, my last story, I realized, like, it doesn't even have to be a story because I know we have touched on it on the bonus episode, but I just kind of brought it on this one because it is somebody that I was close to that passed away, but my friend Ryan Diddy, who died in 2021 – had a huge surge of energy while he was dying at his home on hospice care that my friend Ashley could only explain as like the happiest, most optimistic moment she had seen in him in like a year. I mean, it's not even just like, oh, a couple of months. Like he was so sick and so discouraged for so much of his, you know, cancer journey. And then Mm -hmm. finally, when he had agreed to hospice and came home, you know, he's on all this morphine, like just being, you know, kept as comfy as possible. But he basically was in and out of consciousness constantly. You know, you'd try to tell him a few things here and there, hold his hand, be with him. But really, he was just sleeping and on a bunch of morphine. But she said... The night before he died, he popped up. He was making jokes. He wanted to be carried to the bathroom. Like, he had a catheter, but he asked Ashley, like, you need to get me up. I'm going to the potty. And he, like, flirted with her the whole time she walked him over. (laughs) And she was like, this is adorable, of course, and was, like, enjoying it. But her and our friend Kyle, who was over there, I think, making them dinner or just trying to do something helpful, he witnessed it as well. And they were both like, what is going on? But he... He was pretty, you know, like jaundiced and pale and he looked like he was a dying man the last time I saw him. But Ashley said all of his color came back. It was just like, you know, like color in the cheeks, color in the eyes. Like she just hadn't seen him that way in so long. He made his jokes. He was at peace. He was full of joy. And then early the next morning he passed away and... Um, I think also at one point, his dad was in town kind of helping out with things too. And mm-hmm. I believe his dad reported that Ryan sat up just like an hour before he died and said, well, dad, I'm ready to go. And just like said it so matter of factly. <sighs> but I, I just always liked that story. Even if it meant he was that much closer to death. I liked hearing that like he got to be himself for one last little surge. Yeah, I mean, he, it,
0: it almost seems like a gift.
1: Yes. Just like, hey, I'm okay. I'm gonna be okay, and I love you. That's like felt like a love letter to Ashley, which was cool.
0: Yeah, there's story after story of after story of people experiencing some sort of light phenomenon, glow phenomenon upon the death of a loved one or upon their own near death experience. And the question is, you know, does that prove there's life after death, or just that something very mysterious but totally natural happens when a person passes? And when I was thinking about that, I. I thought maybe it was important to remember what exactly light is made of Mm. when you're trying to solve that little mystery. Sure. Light is is actually made up of particles called photons. And they do ride on a wave. Like a lot of people are Mm. like, oh, they're waves. And it's like, yes, but it's waves of photons. They are literally little tiny packages of energy. Mm -hmm. And light is also the manifestation of an electromagnetic force. And that's what helps, you know, that's what the photons are carrying. That's what's in their package. And electromagnetic uh, fields, forces, that's one of the four fundamental forces of nature. And there are many things in nature that produce light. um, Like, for example, swamp gas. It's when mm. methane and hydrogen sulfide, carbon dioxide, and phosphine combine, and in this combination, which, by the way, is produced by organic decay, it can cause photon emissions. Oh. Now, the only uh, problem with that theory is that our bodies don't really decay immediately upon death, may- right, but maybe another time. chemical reaction is taking place. Totally. Or, the theory that I like even more is that perhaps the photons that travel are strong enough to take what we would call a soul along with them. And that's what we're seeing is that these photons that are all around us all the time, they're they're going through our body, they're going through the desk in front of me. Like the only time... Well, not the only time, but a lot of times photons die after they enter our eyes. Like the screen, my computer screen, the light is photons coming at me. They go in my eye. My eye processes them, sees an image, and the photons die. But what I'm thinking is that like they could potentially, this, you know, electromagnetic force could carry something with it.
1: Absolutely. It's like it's taking our our soul or our consciousness away. However yeah. you want to look at it. I mean, whatever your beliefs are, really, but
0: Not especially I, if it's energy, which obviously part of it is I mean we're completely made up of energy. We are
1: energy yeah that's why like you know that's why I had to make it clear at the beginning like hey I'm playing devil's advocate here with the scientific theories because when it comes to the glow I absolutely think like there's just so much more taking place that like yes you can break it down and say like maybe there is some sort of chemical release that is happening or maybe you just you know you have to be somebody who has synesthesia to see what's happening and you just didn't know you had it whatever but I I just believe there really is like this energy release of our consciousness leaving our physical body that like Mm. can be viewed if the right person is looking i i don't know that's just how i feel something is happening
0: something's going on all right (laughs) we're gonna get to the bottom of it (laughs) Um, That actually is where we're going to call it for today. Next week, we're going to be questioning why it is we see dead people before we're about to die. And we're going to try to find an explanation for why some people get to meet God and others don't. Seems pretty unfair. Yeah, a little bit. Please, please consider donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. You know, if every one of our listeners donated just a dollar a month we would be able to continue to produce this show for you every single week ad-free. We could start saving for things like live shows, maybe even visiting some of y'all's cities. Maybe we could hire yes. an editor and live our lives. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. Uh, let's do it. The possibilities are endless when your show is funded. Anyway, you can donate $1, 5 or $10 to our show and you get amazing things in return like bonus episodes, discounts on merch, shout-outs on the show, and a monthly newsletter. You can also support our show by buying and wearing our merch, which you can find all seven or eight designs. I can't remember how many, but there's a lot over at www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch. And obviously, please follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast across all platforms so we can swap stories and you can check out what cool stuff is coming up on our show and in our lives. To wrap this episode up, I wanted to leave you with a quote by a woman named Crystal Ann Bengston, who wrote a book called Sacred Light Spirit Eagle, which might be problematic. I don't know. I haven't read the book, but it's all about her (laughs) near-death experience. Crystal said, I was surrounded by ripples and cascades of light rising and falling all around me like immense waves in the middle of a huge ocean, held and sheltered within a mighty flow of light. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And keep it keep weird. It weird. No. Please don't crash. My audacity crashed on me last week for the first time in a long time. Not recording, <gasps> thank God, editing. Oh, but God. still, I was like, are you kidding me?
1: I hate that. I I still have nightmares of when it was happening to me. But luckily, when I was editing with Julia last time, it didn't happen because for a while I thought she was the curse, but it didn't (laughs) happen on the last one. So we're hoping for the best.